Under the pressures of your life and it tough Now stay down, mama time, pick it up Now bother with the down, full style, strictly up Full vibes, now pick it up When the bills, them, the rent and the mortgage due Yeah, yeah, when me chalice When your best friends are gone and it's only you Yeah, like a past split on up the music Skanking sweet Everybody wanna feel like free Forget your troubles and you rock with me You know feel a reggae music sweet Yeah, yeah, sweet Everybody wanna feel like free Forget your troubles and you rock with me Yes, 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 yes This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 40 This is Tianbuku 1 and this is Yula. Welcome everybody out. Celebrating the Big Four O, whatever that means in podcast land. I just I wonder if it feels as sensitive as crossing that four O in human years. Right. Well, I guess it depends on how long your podcasts are. Right. Ours feel like a milestone because each podcast that we do, as you guys know, are probably like two hours long. Um, so that's almost eighty hours <laughs> yeah. of content about Life, love, family, navigation. Hold on, let me do quick math. So if okay. an average podcast is about 45 minutes. Right. Right. Hours is 120 times 40. So we've done 4,800 minutes. Divide by 45. We've done 106 episodes. It's about right. So, yeah. How's my math? Impressed? Well, your math with an Apple iPhone is pretty impressive <laughs> you could figure out the calculations to even punch in the numbers but yeah um it's fascinating it's great it's a trip it's good this one's long overdue we tried to do it a few different times over the last month or so two months i mean freaking life right. interfered life and falling asleep and getting tired and shit like that but the cool thing is is we provide ass loads of content that if we ever have a lull and gap of podcasts, there's plenty of podcasts to listen to um, or go back and listen to. If you've listened to all of them, um, I would almost be willing to give a grand prize of 100 bucks to any one right. person who's listened to every single podcast. Yes, let's like, do that. that takes, but then we have to test them. Yes. Takes a lot of fortitude. So before we get into any goodness, we like to say... Like always, we do not advocate any one style of relationship over another. Um, there's divinity in every style of relationship. What we do not advocate is mandates of any style of relationship. We advocate freedom, empowerment, growth, and honesty and trust. Um, and that's all about the quality of work that each individual puts in so that they can show up and articulate who they are and their truth. Um, and also the work that goes in that has been put in between the two parties involved, the people involved in the relationship. So we're not pro polyamory or pro any of these things because there's you get bad people together in polyamory or monogamy or any style, it's going to be schmutzful. And if you get people who work hard and who are kind to each other and grow in any dynamic, it's going to be that. Right. So um, we, you know, advocate open. Yes. And so, I, yeah, we want to talk about, before we go into anything else, let's just talk a little bit about what we mean by open. Because most people will assume open relationship is solely about sex, about the ability to have sex and with other people. 
So why don't you add your expanded definition and clarity of what open is to refresh and we'll go on that. We'll expand on that and then we'll get into our quotes and reflections. Yeah, uh, you know, as we go and as we talk to people, it's pretty always fascinating to me when I first tell someone, yeah, we're in a non-monogamous relationship like the people that don't expect it, don't expect to hear it, especially from me, I guess. Their eyes go round and they're like, oh, how does it work? And then zoom, zoom in on sex. Right. Because that's the first one, first thing that comes to mind. Uh, and reality is, and, you know, I think that we're learning as we uh, go deeper and deeper into this world that it's not about sex. It's about being open with yourself and sharing openly, uh, you know, who you are with the other person and other people. That includes, you know, we have fully open relationship with our kids. Uh, we have, we, you know, we have friends. Uh, we build friendships uh, based on understanding who we are and seeing who they are, regardless of what they go through. Um, and that's open. Right. You know, we're open to going through transitions in our marriage. We're open to helping kids go through their transitions. And that's all without boxing anyone in. That's open. Right. Whether it comes with, uh, whether it comes with, you know, sex or not, that's different. Uh, so that's open versus not open. And it can be monogamy. Monogamy can be very open. It can be no non-monogamy. It can be any variation in between. So that's basically what we, uh, you know, define our uh, marriage as and what we advocate for. Right. So when we mean open, it's we advocate living truthfully and not feeling like we need to oppress somebody, micromanage somebody else's freedom and truth, nor do we tolerate that in ours. So sovereignty is being able to reclaim our freedom to be who we are and who we are changes all the time. So it makes sense that we have structures and friendships and careers that change and expand. Like we live, we listen to different music through the years, different music speaks to us, different authors speak to us, um, different passions speak to us throughout our lives. We change and evolve. So it only makes sense to us that we advocate truth and openness to allow and encourage and embrace our changes and other people's changes. I think that uh, possibly one thing that might scare people is, you know, when we when we say we advocate being ourselves, we do not tolerate anyone imposing, uh, you know, their will or boundaries on us. Uh, I wonder if people consider that to be a form of anarchy. Right. Well, it is if if what they assume is the norm is it's okay to possess and own property of human property and micromanage and use fear and guilt to manipulate others. No, I, but I think that, you know, anarchy has a negative connotation uh, in terms of there is no there's free for all. Like, right. This is not free for all. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's to, so it all depends on who's defining the norm. Right. So being in an interracial relationship was seen as anarchy. 
It's, 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 it's bucking the establishment. It's going against what the norm was. Homosexuality would be considered anarchy in some states. I think anarchy is uh, just not having any rules. It's literally you do whatever the hell you want to do without regard for anything that happens afterwards. I don't want anything. I don't want any structures. I don't want anything. Uh, so I think that, you know, at least in, you know, how we live and how we teach our kids to live, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. Yes. You know, it's there's definitely more responsibility that comes with being honest and open than uh, there can be when relationship is based just on, you know, the assumptive rules and these are your boundaries. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I think there's a big piece uh, that might be missing when people get scared of either, you know, polyamory or open relationships. It's like you guys go out and have sex with whoever you want to have sex with and right. you don't care. Yeah, regardless and of the other person's feelings. Regardless of the other and, person's feelings yeah. and what the hell and how do you raise your kids. But the re reality is that, you know, there's a lot more responsibility that comes with these choices. Right both on the side of the kids and on the side of on, on our sides like the kids you know they know how we feel we know how much we respect them and they have they have responsibility to you know to be uh who they say they are right yeah and being you know um it's it's kind of like the statement was like being in good relation not with specifically a person place or thing but with all things trying to be yeah. You know, kind and compassionate, compassionate, encouraging and empowering to all that you come across. Right. Um, and the responsibility is us to being kind to each other. And part of being kind to each other is allowing room for a person to be honest, even if we disagree or even if it hurts us. Um, and choosing the true sense of love, which is giving somebody your truth and allowing them to make their decision on how they want to interact with you based upon your truth. Yeah. Um, and also just, you know, our, our hashtags on social media, are write your own vows, write your own script, which means there is no one way to love. There is no one way to share community. There's no one way to raise your family. There's no one way to um, live your life, have a career, um, it's to by your own design and whoever you choose to partner up with. Um, so that's what we're all about in the nutshell. <laughs> we just like to every now and then reiterate and clarify that because as we grow, we, we learn more about what we're saying and what, what better ways we can articulate it to where it doesn't sound like it's us against them, it's a poly versus mono or any of that shit. It's way right. deeper than that. It's just about freedom to be, to speak to live who you are, your honesty, your truth, and breaking the chains of fear and jealousy and assumption and societal norms and all these things and differentiating what parts of tradition that you have in your, that we have in our bodies that we want to keep and which ones do not serve us anymore. Yeah, huh. that's a big one. Just understanding that what we feel and how we uh, assume relationships work mostly come from uh, the tradition that's passed down to us. Uh, and it's really, really strong. Uh, so even getting to the point of, oh, I can actually question these, that's pretty interesting. 
Right. You know, and I mean, that's revolutionary to understand that, oh, those things are not even mine. And I'm not going to jail if I don't stick to these rules. Right. They're not, you know, they're just like very, very, very strong traditions. Yeah. And it's, you know, the the truth that we're learning about ourselves is that most of the things, the morals, the habits, the traditions that we define that make us who we are, were implanted in us long before we had a conscious decision to even choose those yeah. or determine those were right for us. So in our as we become self-aware, part of the first step is introspection and taking inventory. Why do I do what I do? Who do I, what is my definition of myself? What, are my, what parts of my actions and my thoughts are really me, consciously me, not just me because that's just how it's always been? And then allowing yourself the freedom to go, okay, well, I can change. I don't have to be this because I've always been this. I don't have to be this because... My husband, my wife, my mother, my father, my job, my religion, my community has always known me to be this. Yeah, I know someone I respect and follow and work with, uh, you know, has this exercise that is basically, you know, asks you to close your eyes, drop your name. You're no longer whatever people know you by. You're not your gender you're not a wife, husband, boyfriend, son. Uh, you're just you. You know, you're not fat. You're not skinny. You're not, you know, in shape. You're not out of shape. You're not tall. You're not short. You're just you. And then sit there and feel, what does that feel like? And you have ability to do whatever, whatever you want, whatever you feel like. And sit there and be, huh, what does that feel like? And that's, you know, that's, I think, is a uh, very interesting exercise. It's very hard to do. Right. Very hard to do. I mean, I think it's, like, more difficult than meditation. Yeah. Uh, just dropping those things and realizing how many of those we carry. Uh, you know, we identify ourselves with our name, with our gender, with our sh body shape with our, uh, you know, responsibilities towards our families, friends, uh, jobs, all that stuff. And every single thing adds a layer of assumptions and how we're supposed to behave. So dropping those is extremely difficult. I mean, that one is terrifying and hard to do. Right. Uh, but it is definitely one of those things that will help us understand what is it that I actually feel like, what is it that me, myself, like my essence is like. Right. And just understanding if, as we try to get to that point of true under, of feeling who we are, that our career, our hairstyles, our style of relation, our attitude, our strengths, our weaknesses are just the reflection of who we are today. They are not who we are. They are reflections. They are results of who we are being played out through physical form, which means they will be different and can be different tomorrow. Yeah. can be very different the next day. can be very different 10 years from now. So we are not bound by what we do today. We are not bound by what we wear today. Um, we grow, we change, and evolve. And if we 
allow ourselves to think of ourselves that way, then we won't be so rigid to, to resisting change and won't be so um, committed to associating security and control and possession with happiness and structure and order. Yeah, and I think also, you know, uh, to me, that reminds me that everything that I do is subject to change based on how I want it to change. Not like there is no destiny here. Right. Everything that, you know, you can change your name, you can change your uh, relationship with your body. You, If you decide to slim up or bulk up, you can do that. You want to change your diet, you want to change your job. Like a lot of the, most of those things you can change. Right. And realizing that, oh, wow, that really is up to me is a big deal. So it's not like, oh, you know, I took this route, I went to this college, now I have this job, and now I have this life, and there's nothing I can do. That's the most depressing thing that I can think of. Right. Yeah. None of us like to feel confined or trapped beyond our will. And the reality is that a lot of us will sign agreements, handshake emotionally, um, in writing, you know, in our past that we will wish to amend. And the feeling that what you signed and what you agreed to in the past you're bound to for life is not healthy for any of us. None of us like that. Um, That doesn't breed passion, excitement, trust, love, gratitude. You feel trapped. No one likes to feel enslaved. Even though our fear will make us push for control and security, once we feel we are secure beyond our will, we feel like we're in maximum security type jail where we are. We don't want to be this secure, but yet we have no choice. Um, and that's what we're trying to discuss and, and build upon and how do we navigate that within ourselves um, because most of those confinements are within ourselves manifested then through our actions yeah. but they're not from we're not no one person place or thing is always mandating us to be a certain way we just perceive that as if, yeah. you know we're afraid of the repercussion of change shame guilt uh being banished cast out disassociated not being loved not being liked not being wanted so these things are the are the chains that keep us in the flock Yeah, so, you know, like to wrap up our long 20-minute intro, uh, to have community around you, around us, that helps us, reminds us that, hey, yeah, it is scary, but it's yours. You know, this is your life. Uh, Whether you're 20 years old realizing that you need to change your path or you're 45 and you have kids and family and all that good stuff, uh, it's still your path. You know, it's still up to us to decide what we want to do with it and having community that actually helps and encourages and reminds us of those things that's the open space that we right. you know try to create as much as possible imagine having you know most the majority of your friends be like Tion and I right. you know where yeah of course dude yeah oh yeah no you want to change your job or your career you want to you know drop your you know, whatever, white-collar work and go be a baker because that's your passion. Yeah, of course you should do that. Right. And How to navigate that. Right. How to work that out. Instead of people pointing out how difficult it will be, how you're going to struggle, how you're crazy, you know, that would be awesome. Yeah, so 
Yeah, so that's part of that's a yeah elongated intro, but mm -hmm. um, you know, before episode forty, there was episode thirty nine, which was kind of like a reconnecting episode, catching you guys up. Um, and I think one of the really fun topics was how our relationship with our parents can then manifest as our relationship inside of ourselves with our critical parent inside of ourselves and our inner child, um, and how that colors how we enact things and how we um, respond in relationship to other people. Um, and it's, go listen to episode 39. We're not going to go too deep in it, but if you haven't listened to it, it's dope and we go deep into that. And it's very fascinating. Um, and that's part of a, that was part of the equation that can cause a disconnect between what we say we want to do or who we are and what we actually want and do. And a lot of times those can be very different. Um, but yeah, so let's get into our quotes and then we'll get into the googie googie. Alright, you want to go first? Sure. One is, it was our belief that the love of possessions is a weakness to be overcome. Its appeal is to the material part and if allowed its way, it will in time disturb one's spiritual balance. Therefore, children must early learn the beauty of generosity to be taught to give what they prize them give away what they prize the most and that from that they may taste the happiness of giving so that's one and then i had an amazing discussion with one of our friends about giving and receiving yeah and it started out with me saying that i'm more comfortable i love giving more than receiving mm -hmm. and then he walked me through and convinced me like that's all part of the same thing you can't really enjoy giving right. without enjoying receiving because when you give you receive right it was but my knee jerk was always like my, my default was always like no 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 i love giving way more right. than i like receiving right yep it's it's a dance so the next one is to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Yeah, no kidding. So back to creating community that helps you, reminds you that no, no, you're yourself. Right. We want and love and embrace your truth. Yeah. Anything less than that is, you know, like not necessary. So healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It means the damage no longer controls our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of healing and all of us having gone through this uh, Mercury retrograde with all other planets going through whatever the planets were going through and this super powerful energy shift that was happening mm -hmm. was pretty fascinating. So my the memes that I was receiving in my social media were very fitting. Um, I'm in an uncomfortable stage of my life where my old self is gone, but my new self isn't fully born yet. I'm in the midst of transformation. Mm -hmm. And that, that, you know, when we are in that, I don't know what the hell is going on, that's transformation. Mm -hmm. Scary as hell, but that's what it is. Uh, followed by sit with it, sit with it, Sit with it, sit with it, even when you want to run, even though it's heavy and difficult, even though you're not quite sure of the way through, healing happens by feeling. It's really, really hard. Right. Not blocking it out and 
suppressing, smothering it, and hopefully it suffocates itself. And right, matter. or just like impatient, all right, I want to be through this. Right. Like, you'll be through this when you're through this. Right. And, Not, then, it, and then it will come back again to the right, right. part of your world. Right. Um, and this is a reminder, and I think goes well with our conversation about what's open. There is far more love available to us in any given moment than we might be aware. And there is much, much more love in our hearts than we as adults have been conditioned to believe is appropriate to express. Right. One of the problems uh, with uh, monogamy is, or at least how I was taught and how I experienced it, is that love is a limited commodity and you have to be very careful who you give it to. Right. And it's basically a very special thing, which it is true, right. but it's not a limited commodity. Right. And just also just deconstructing the hierarchy of of relation. Like just because genitalia touch doesn't necessarily make that relationship more divine or more special just because it's there's a lot of like what do you call them? Heteronorms, you know. I don't know those words. Yeah. Though, those eyes. Basically, it's just you know, there's there's assumptions that this is normal, and anything other than that is. Well, I think it starts know. with you know equating sex with love. Like that's right. your, one of your favorite things. Is like right. not every sex is love. You don't always love the person. Like you're not in love with the person you have sex with. Right. Like we've all had sex with people that yeah, we man, weren't in love different. with. Meant different things. And, right. It just means different. And it's things. not not. There's nothing wrong yeah. about that. And it's like the reality is, you know, a lot of our closest relationships are with people that we do not touch genitalia with. You know, whether it's our mentors, our guidance, our best friends, our kids, um, our artistic expressions and passions, right. um, our love of travel, our love of culinary arts like these are things that are very deep to us that one are not... of these days we'll we'll maybe figure out what it is about sex that makes everyone including us so sensitive yeah but i, it's, I feel it's, it's always, conditioning yeah it's, I feel it's, it's conditioning always always comes back to that because yeah. we're we've been we discovered this this woman um that our good friend cecilia sent us her name is dr kim Talbert. she's a native american uh female that talks about you know really advocates for decolonization and how and really the re-empowerment of women and indigenous culture in our society and you know going back and she's saying a lot of before colonists came and instituted the concept of property there was no hierarchy of relation right you know like it was all relations were deep and connected and special um, there was no, I touched penises and vaginas with this person, so therefore I don't with anybody else. You know, the goal was to be connected and move as you feel is appropriate and share what you feel you're supposed yeah, to share. Yeah, within community. Yeah, within community. And so there was no hierarchy about that. So just questioning these things. It may be your preference, but how do you know if you've never deconstructed that and go, where did that come from? Why is that? You, you raise kids in an environment that don't think that way. They won't act that way. You know, yeah. the assumption is that if everybody was raised in an environment where heterosexuality and homosexuality and monogamy and non-monogamy were all equally embraced, that everybody would be straight and monogamous. Right, right. And there is 
No it proof of that. It's probably be, not be. Right. It would probably be close to 50-50 or something like yeah. that. And it may be more fluid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, over a 20-year span, some people would be monogamous, the non-monogamous, right. hetero, the non. There's just no terms. Because she was saying in her, in her native um, time and tribe, there was no term for heterosexual or homosexual. Right. There was no terms for monogamy or non-monogamy. There was nothing like that. These are constructs that were created uh, as a form of guidance and, and guidelines and ways to control. for metrics and it's, control. It's, 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 it was created for control because in general, what do you care if you're having sex with a man or a woman? Like who would care? Right. What does it matter? Uh, but, you know, separating people into better, worse, more worthy, less worthy creates a control situation. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Uh, it's it's a very triggering topic. Yeah, it goes into, you know, the colonization and the purpose of it. So we're not gonna get too deep into it, but it's definitely uh, a very important thing to think about. Yeah, I mean the way where we were raised and the generations of who took over and inhabited the land and set up the structure that we live in play more of a role of who we define ourselves as as who we really to know ourselves are. Yeah. So. That's our challenge is how do we undo that? And so another another funny thing that comes up recently is, you know, and it's, it's so cliche, it comes up over and over again. So, you know, you come across somebody and they're like, oh, that's cool. You're in a non-monogamous relationship. Yeah, I tried that once and it didn't work for me. Right. Or I heard of a friend of a friend who tried that and it doesn't work right. for me. And I'm like, okay. And so I go, okay, so are you still with the very first person you committed right. to How many times have you tried monogamy? <laughs> yeah, well, just like, are you committed? Are you still with that first person? Well, no. Okay, well, how many relationships have you had through your life? There's been several, like a lot. And they've all been monogamous, but yet when they don't work or they end, you never question the structure. But then you look at something, something out of that box and you go, I tried that once and didn't work for me. That- no, you tried that and it hit the fears that you've never felt and you don't want to feel that again. I mean, that's the way to put it. Yeah, but it's just so funny because that's such a cliche thing and they don't realize like how bigoted that is. <laughs> like, yep. like this is the norm. So if, whether it works or not, right. it's fine. It's safe to go back to But that. this is an experiment. It's not meant to work. And I tried it and I confirmed it. You know, and then, you know, so it's just very funny. And then just even deconstructing the definition of what works and what doesn't work. What is the definition of a successful relationship? Just because one ends, does that mean it was a failure? You know, and like, what is the definition of success in these these structures? A lot of times we never even identify what that is. What's motivating us? I think that for some people it would be like, you know, being in in a, in a marriage and then divorcing is a success because maybe now the woman obtained economic wealth that she never had before and freedom. Success, had this relationship, didn't work. Now I exited right. successfully. It's great. Yeah. We managed to enjoy our life and, and the time together while we, while we had it. And shortly after we decided after working on it or whatever they decided that it was no longer beneficial for both of them, 
they exited each other and gave each other back that space to live and grow as they wish. One kills each other, the other because they don't want to share the money. Right. That's that's definitely not success. Well, <laughs> I mean, no, it's not even successful. The person who killed them because no. now they're in jail. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So you know, it's all very fascinating, and just thinking about these things without emotional trigger is fa- if, like that's the hard part. If we can all get right. to the point where we can think about. Um, monogamy, non-monogamy, hetero, non-hetero, whatever. The same way we think about analyzing job opportunities when we're looking for a new career. Like, just very, you know, just be able to look at them and, and have pros and cons about them all and just see what works. And the reality is, what works now may not work 10 years from now, five years from now. Um, but yeah, so our day and times now, and this is July, August now, 2019, Ah, uh, yeah, it's a lot of really crazy things have happened. So in between our last podcast and now, my mom passed away um, and went to wherever she went, to her next place, <laughs> returned to the essence, homecoming, whatever you want to call it. And it's been a whole lot of everything. Um, but when I say everything, I mean blessing, surprise, Grief, sorrow, joy, fascination, even like laughter, just how my mom is and how she works and how independent and secretive she would be about her health um, is. But one thing, one of the few things that have really been great for me in helping myself navigate this is that um, this work that we talk about, about energy and connecting deeper than material, you know, um, we aren't what we look like, we aren't our name, we aren't, we're we're essence before that. And the way that my mom and I really connected through most of our lives was through energy. We didn't talk all the time. You know, we didn't hang out all the time. You know, we texted here and there, but we didn't talk all the time. But we always felt calm and connected. So being able to um, deal with this transition, part of what's helped me is that my connection with my mom wasn't solely or even primarily based upon what she looked like, what she sounded like, and how much I saw her. It was rooted in me. It was rooted in how she raised me, rooted in how she supported me, rooted in how she lived her life. My mom was super duper ultra mega independent and really chose consciously to not have one man in her life as a primary after my dad throughout. She would have different people she loved, but she would love to be on her own space. And she would always take off what she wanted to take off and she was never constricted by that. And I grew up around that. I grew up watching my mom have different people she connected with, but she was always the root of what we did and how we did and why we did it. She was always a stable one to do that. So I learned that. I didn't have this, this traditional Brady Bunch looking relationship. So my my definition of what made me feel secure was energy based. My mom's consistency. My mom's range to let me cry. My mom's range to bust my ass if I was out of line. Um, my mom's fierce independence. Um, even to the, you know, to the last night when she came out with us to the Oakland A's game, you know, whatever state she was in, you know, in retrospect, she probably wasn't in a great state. You know, but that didn't stop her, and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't motivate her to tell us anything. I'm tired, I'm sick, or any of that. She came out, had a couple drinks, kicked it, listened to music, 
And then, you know, later that night, after we found out a few days later, but it's probably within five hours of we dropping her off that she she left the physical form because that her vehicle was no longer capable of keeping up with her spirit. So she bounced. Um, and it's just been a very fascinating, what, six weeks? Um, just feeling all these feelings and listening to all these lessons and thinking of all the stuff that we talk about on the podcast and with each other really tie into this is making working to make our connections with ourselves and other people deeper than the how much time we spend or what bed is ours or what action is ours and what possession. It's more of the essence and how we make each other feel and how we support each other in growth. Um, and that lives on even if you can't see the person. Like the lessons, the space, the support, the empowerment, the guidance, um, that lives on. So there's so many lessons in this space that I'm fortunate enough to really soak up. And um, it's just been a beautiful thing, even with all the squishies and sensitivities and stuff like that. Um, Another part of it for me is, you know, time is now. We don't know how much time we have on this earth. We act like we have extra time and we can push things down the line. And, you know, I really want to do that, but, you know, now it's just not the time. Or how could I ever? I have all these things. You know, I'm not happy in my marriage, but, you know, like we just have so many things. I don't know. Um, And, you know, there's a book called One Year to Live where the author spends time with people who are diagnosed with, you know, terminal cancer or whatever it is. And they have, they clearly, have been told they have one year to live and how different their life becomes. And how, you know, once they get through the, the panic of their, their mortality, all of a sudden they get this enhanced life feeling like colors are brighter, um, smells are more powerful, foods taste more vibrant. Um, just walking down the street and seeing people and places and trees become a a phenomenon and not just like a routine and then they start going man it's let me start doing some of these things I've been wanting to do now is the time to do this I don't have any other time now is the time to do this and the whole moral of the story of the book is we don't know how much time we have we technically could only have one year to live we may already be on that one year clock we'd have no idea kids die adolescents die Teenagers die, adults die, seniors die. We, there's, we all go. So we don't know how much time we have. So if we operated from that state, maybe we would be a little bit more um, passionate about speaking our truth, about living our truth, about making our own decisions and let them be ruled by what we truly feel we want um, versus what our parents think we should do or what our career dictates or what society or what our friends have told us that we are. Um, and that really hit me again because, you know, when you deal with, you know, everyone says that I've talked to that's been dealt with this is like, you know, um, dealing with transition and death is one thing, but dealing with it when it's your mother, your core matriarch, if you're connected to her is a whole different deal. It's like a, it's like a different type of feeling. It's a different rite of passage. It's a different level of, uh, reorienting. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it changes how you feel. It messes with how tethered you are. Right. I don't know, but that's how I feel. Like, even just feeling through you, that's what it feels like. 
You know, I've experienced death, but not of my parents. And, you know, being that close to your parents, like you, there was an umbilical cord connecting you and your mom. Right. And fortunately, the umbilical cord that was connecting us is the one that's still connecting us. And like we're talking about, it's the essence, it's the energy, it's the lessons. Um, so I don't feel less connected to my mom because the way we connected was kinetic and was through energy primarily. Like when I go on tour, like we wouldn't talk for weeks, you know, like I'd go and I'd come and she's like, where were you again? You know, and it wasn't until social media that really helped us to be able to um, keep in touch as far as like she could see where I was and she could comment in real time. But it was never a, it was never a concern. Um, And then if she had concerns, she'd pop up. If I had concerns, I'd pop up. We just kind of connected like that. So, but it is very, it's a trip. It's just like a psychedelic trip. Like there's a there's a a material muscle memory that you have, you know. And you're like, there's little things that pop up through your days, and you're like, oh, oh, wow, like she's right. not gonna be coming it's on Wednesday. Up, right? Oh, there's a game. Oh, like I should be telling. Oh, wait, I don't need to tell her and remind. And you know, I, she's with. She knows. Or like, oh, should I need to worry about it's the end of the month? We should make sure mom gets her. But oh, we don't. There's no financial. We don't have to. So it's good and bad. Like there's definitely like, you know, pros and cons of like of just this realization. Like oh, sh- I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about her. She's good now. Or like, you know, just trippy. Like oh, we're at the bowling alley. Oh shit! Oh, mom's not coming to buy DVDs. I don't. He doesn't right. need DVDs anymore. Um, little just cr- like just trip. It's just a trip. Um, but what it's definitely done has it's deepened. Everything like I just feel like I'm just in a deeper, um, more weighted state to where everything is a trip. You know, it's a good trip. The highs are higher, the lows are lower, but it's more of just like almost third party right now. Just kind of just looking at everything. Like I feel somewhat removed from myself um, as I'm doing what I normally would do to create, to nourish up, to be present with my friends and family and Eula. Um, and you know, all these things that like life is still amazing. You know, it's not like this, just put a big gray cloud over my eyes or my head or whatever, but it's just a trip. Um, and yeah, so the, sharing that with, with everybody and, and with this, I felt like it was my opportunity to add some brighter colors to transition. Yeah. And that's my, you know, Really, uh, we've always been feeling that, uh, or I've always felt early, you know, that the way that we look at death is really limited, negative, sad. There is no, like, the the uplifting part is missing. Right. You know, um, when my first husband died, it was, you know, Tion was with me, and we did the best to make it into a celebration of his spirit versus, uh, you know, a, uh, I don't know. Of dying of his physical form. Right, of dying of his physical form, of, you know, being released from the fight with whatever demons he was fighting. Uh, But that was not how everyone around wanted to do it or how the energy that was coming was all sad and, and 
difficult and oh poor kids and 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 there's no other counterbalance of yeah but on the other hand he's no longer struggling i don't have to worry about him you know being whatever worse off than he was the kids don't have to deal with this and they just you know they have the luxury of having the memory of their dad without witnessing all the all the things that can come with a very difficult struggle. Um, and that was missing. I mean, luckily we created that inside of our family and home. Um, you know, and the kids, uh, I think, feel that very, like, very well. Uh, and then with Tion's mom passing, you know, the, we felt the same pool, right? The same pool to... Oh, wow, difficult, hard, sad, grief, heavy, like heavy, heavy, heavy. And Tion had to fight every single day to keep uplifting. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, you know the, the hardest part of this transition and this process, this rite of passage or whatever you call it, is the overwhelmings of this condolences and sorry for your losses. Like there was so much yeah. sad face emojis. Like people don't know how to come and express love and uh, you know support support with a positive, uplifting yeah. uh, spirit versus like it, it, even the people that are most you know uh, light and normally funny and want to uplift there's just no mechanism it's almost like it's impolite to say anything other than right i'm so sorry it must be so difficult right and you know that overwhelmance is like because that's not how i'm processing this that's not how i'm choosing to honor and celebrate and, and honor honor my healing honor, honor my transition my metamorphosis is not it's not i'm choosing i'm not choosing to honor it by guilt and by sorrow and by doom and gloom um, so just being overwhelmed with the sad face emojis and broken heart emojis and cry emojis and sorry for your losses, sorry for your condolences was overwhelming because it was an overwhelming sorrow from everybody else that I was filtering out. And I almost had to like, like create a filter, like a barrier, like a force field, right. um, to hold space for them to do that. Right. So then and then go away so I can do my own. So, you know, um, the time in between now and then, as it's subsided and there's not an overwhelmance of it anymore, I've been able to um, connect with my mom and connect with the transition and my feelings in a much more um, intrinsic way to myself. Um, and then tomorrow is the official celebration memorial. And then I think after that, we can finally like really just move into the new space of this new era where I, you know, my mom is in me, my mom is in us, my mom is in Deja, and she lives within everybody who has a funny story or has uh, a powerful memory. Um, You know, and so, but, you know, the fascinating thing is, you know, talking, you know, listening to Dr. Uh, Kim Tallbear, you know, talking to him about death and other things. She's like, "In in our indigenous tribes, death was not a sorrowful thing. Right. You know, death... Um, was a part of the overall process, like life. Which it is. You know, it was to be, there needed to be honor, there was ceremony, there was celebration, there was commemoration, 
Um, you know, and that includes tears. That includes sadness. Um, because with every transition comes a range of feelings. Um, but yeah, it's very fascinating. So just, you know, this, this experience for me has really brought a lot of the stuff that we work on, that we train with, with the perception of spirituality, perception of energy and root connection and what defines special being something that is based upon a deeper thing besides object referral material things um, really helps me in this spot too because it's not like I don't have my mom because we can't go to the movies together physically. I, I've lost my mom because, you know, we, she doesn't come bowling every now and then or come to our house. Like, I didn't lose my mom. I lost those ways of connecting with my mom just in material form. It's not right. like when I go to the bowling alley, I can't picture and feel and hear my mom in my ear. Right. You know, it's not like when I go to the movies to see Marvel movies, I can't hear my mom's commentary. Like, it's not like she's not, you know, even if you're not spiritual and you don't believe in energy, like this movie, I don't believe in spiritual. So when they're gone, they're gone. I'm like, even that person can appreciate that a person is never gone if you have memory, if you've learned lessons from them, if you've heard their voice enough to where you know what they sound like in different scenarios. Like that's not, that's still alive. It's living through that. So, Unless you're blocking it because you don't want to, you know, every time you hear their voice, it makes you sad right. and uh, upset that they're not here. So you're blocking it. Right. And those are options. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so... Very fascinating. Um, I think what I've been doing, I mean, obviously, I've been, part of what I do is a lot of art therapy, just painting a lot. Um, and I think what's been kind of fun is I painted her name as a part of my pieces. Um, but I think what, I was, what I'm coming into is I just may be using her name as an alter, as an alternative word that I use to paint to connect with her through her name and through homage and through art. And stuff like that. So you may see Buku pieces that don't say Buku. They just say Joyce. <laughs> um, and stuff like that. So that is the first half of this episode. Um, it's a whole lot of Ooga Wooga and good stuff. But we're going to take a break. And then we'll come back and get into the rest of the minutia. This is Tian Buku 1. And this is Yula. The Black Russian Podcast, episode 40. Situation. 
hatred is rejected and wisdom is respected as you move towards your goal preservation of your soul it should never be neglected Bing, bada bing, bada boom. Tian Bukuwan, you love the Park Ranger. Black Christian Podcast, episode 40, coming from the studios of our newly clean garage that has room for us to actually do a podcast and not feel like we're doing a podcast today. Yeah, so now we can actually make it into a studio. studio. Yeah, we can maybe get a little podcast microphone and you can sit over there. We can have a whole little, get a different desk that fits the whole little... Yeah, there's a lot of things that are possible in the clean garage. Um, yeah, it's great. It's summertime, it's hot, sweaty a little bit. It's great. Um, so yes, as we move into this next part, I really want to reiterate: when people decide to open their relationship up, it is very important to, or if you, or if it's you that's trying to open it up, when you're pondering it. It's not about opening to have sex. That's a surface thing. There's something that we want from that, that we idealize from sex that that we want, but it's more we want the ability to be free to choose what we want to choose. So when people say, you know, I'm thinking about it, but I don't know if it's not for, if it's for me or not, I always go, is freedom for you? Right. Like you can be monogamous, but that's your choice. You can choose every day to not see anybody. Just because you can, doesn't mean you always should, and it definitely doesn't mean you have to. There's like this assumption that if you if you open your relationship up to have the freedom to, to do whatever you want to do, that your husband's going to go ape shit and you're going to go ape shit. And it's like, the person might. That may be how they explore their freedom. Are you ready for that? But you, if you're like, I just don't, I don't want to see that many people. Like You don't have to see anybody. You could be open and just like, I just want to be free to where if I want to sit and only see my husband for 10 years, I can do that. And if on the 11th year, I meet somebody and want to go on a date, I can. But I think it's, it's I mean, like you say, it's not about sex. And uh, what has come up for me and, you know, even, you know, with as much as uh, we've been talking about non-monogamy and being open and practicing it or living this way and all that, I'm, I'm still hardwired to have these fears that get triggered right. when there is more space that you need right. or when it's not even just you need but you you sit with it and you go hey you know i'm realizing that we will both benefit at this point from having more space for ourselves outside of just us and 
just that one statement, you know, triggers a lot of fears. Right. So I think that, um, which means that open doesn't necessarily mean sexually open. Open right. means, no, if I feel like this Friday, I don't want to go by our assumed script of every Friday we hang out together. Right. You know, or it start, it start, it's a start of a weekend and whatever we come up with, whatever we do, you know, we're doing it together. Right. But nope, this Friday I actually want to go and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it by myself. You know, that's freedom. Can you do that in your marriage? Right. If you can, then you're already more open than you think. Right. If you cannot, without triggering the, you know, your partner and without having to explain a lot of things, then maybe that's where you need to start. Right. And don't go into, I want to open my marriage to have sex, but hey, I want more space in my marriage for myself just to air out. Right. And I think that there is a lot more, you know, like I've, I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, when, when you're in a long-term marriage, you start suffocating, you don't understand what's happening. All of a sudden I'm in a bad mood. I don't know what the hell. I'm not motivated by normal things. I don't know what's happening. And then they take a day for themselves or two days to themselves. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm reset. I'm good. I just went out on a long ride and a walk in the park. Right. You know, and wasn't accountable to anyone for a whole entire day. I didn't talk to any men. I didn't have any sexual thoughts. I didn't have sex, but I felt free. Right. Yeah, and we've, I've, I can't remember which episode we talked about that, but like, you know, dissonance is a beautiful thing in a relationship. Like, having time apart is a beautiful thing. It gives you guys chance to, as individuals, to just make your own decisions based upon what you feel without micromanagement or fear of judgment, if you can get to that space. Um, also, it just gives you a different perspective on the other person to appreciate them, to reflect on them. Um, and if we're assumed that we have to be together damn near the majority of time or something's wrong, then it creates this clamp and this feeling of possession, this feeling of trap, this feeling of um, too much security. And that it goes back into what we're talking about. The minute you feel you can't do what you want to do, Repeatedly in a relationship, you start to slowly have resentment or some other negative reaction to, I can't do what I want to do. Like, I can't go on a walk today because today is our tip, our, our date day. I, or this weekend, I want to go away, but I know if I say I want to go away, it's going to trigger something and it's right. going to create this big fight. So I'm just not going to, but I'm going to be upset that I can't even talk but about it. But I think, it. you know, I think that it's layered even deeper. So it's not even. Uh, clear that um, you know you can think that that directly. Right. I think that you experience uh, what's happening uh, that that there's discomfort, but you don't know where it's from. Right. And that you know it takes work to actually even understand that what we think is comfortable, the security of being attached to your partner is where the discomfort comes from, from time to time. Right. And also just ask, you know, we have a good gauge that we can use if we want. It's a fear-love gauge. 
are the decisions that we're making motivated by love or by fear? Like, am I, am I with my husband and my wife all the time because of pure love? Just my desire to be around them and share with them? Um, are there ever any times where it's like, well, I know he wants to go away on this trip, but I don't want him to go because I know that who knows what's going to happen. Or like, I would like to go away, but I know if I ask that, it's going to create an issue. So that's a fear-based decision making. So I don't want to do that. Yeah, or you can also be like me, and it's a, it's a mix. Right. You know, like, I mean, I'm, I always have that mix. You know, my it, it's not easy for me to identify the fear because I always love being together and then it takes me a while to hear the other side of what is it that is tugging on me right or maybe i don't even understand that it's tugging on me that's what i'm saying that it's not as clear and easy as oh let me think about it is this fear or is it love like you have to train to actually understand that yeah there can be one the other or a combination of both yeah. And, you know, what do they feel like? And then what do you do when you feel that? And all that good stuff. And, you know, I, um, it's, it's crazy how powerful that fear can be and how strongly it can come in. Yeah. And then um, it takes, um, I think it takes, like, naturally you, you want to do anything to stop feeling that fear. Mm -hmm. So you want to clamp down and shut down and control the environment. Uh, you know, now I'm speaking from my experience. I, I like speaking from my experience. I like uh, feeling all these things. I've learned that it's really fascinating to actually feel these feelings, let them go through and understand what it was. Why, why did I feel that way? It may take two, three, four weeks, you know, months uh, to go through it. But at the end of the day, something uh, will come out that will help me deal with that when it comes up again. And it's not something that, uh, you know, I bought off the shelf, but it's something that I have felt through. Right. Yeah. And this is all definitely part of our... Um, ongoing self-introspection and journey, identifying the different voices in our head, like who's speaking when we speak. Like we have many different voices inside of us. There's the intuitive side. There's the nurturing mother side. There's the inner child side. There's the ego. There's the rational. There's the one, the anger. There's the trauma. There's so many different parts of us that motivate us that like I always say that I think the biggest trap that we fall in is when someone asks us, what is it that you want? Or, you know, who are you? What do you do? We see in the answer singularly. Like, a lot of times we want many different things. <laughs> you know, like, one time I'm feeling, at the same time, not even one time, at the same time I could be feeling joy and I could be feeling terrified about the same experience I'm about to endure. You know, like when it goes to traveling, like I'm very excited and then my worrier is very worried and my child is giddy and my parent is concerned <laughs> you know like there's a whole list of them it's like having a whole family or committee inside of yourself and when you know they're all going along on the ride and they all have a different perspective so it's very you know there's so much more to what's going on inside of us than just one voice um 
you know, we can both feel fear and love at the same time, but it's probably coming from different parts of our personality uh, and getting to know who's speaking and why they're saying that is so much, is so helpful in figuring out as a team what we're, our goal is trying to, you know, what we're trying to do. You know, it's so, we're just so much more dynamic, you know, than just one being. Like, there's a lot going on in us. There's a million different thoughts and feelings. Well, you're like, you know, I mean, I pause because you're a master of this. You've been, like, you've known that you've had these voices and you've listened to them and you've trained and you've trained and you've trained for now majority of your life. So it's automatic to you, you know, for us normal mortals that don't listen to the voices and, and go like, no, I feel this way. And then five minutes later, no, I feel that way. Right. And then there is a whiplash. Right. You know, that's a, uh, the process is a lot more involved and slow and uh, disciplined. Uh, you know, I, I've been hearing them better. Right. But, you know, I went through in the last month, I went through, I guess, along with the whole Mercury retrograde, um, through situations both, you know, professionally and personally, where I unexpectedly ran into these pockets of really intense fear. And that's not something that I'm used to feeling, but it came up, and there was no place, like, there was, there was no place to put it. It was like, well, I don't know what to do with it. And the first reaction is, well, just shut it down. Like, do something to right. you know, solve the situation, right? And make it feel, yourself feel better. But the long, like the actual uh, real root work is now understand where it's coming from and listen to your voices. Right. And, you know, if you're only listening to the fear voice, then it gets amplified and then it creates this echo, echo chamber and then you really need to get the hay out. But as you know, if I, I forced myself to just sit through it and live with anxiety for some weeks and, and uh, you know, luckily, you know, being 48 is a little different from being 28. Uh, so I'm like, all right, well, you just get to sit here and, you know, you'll feel like blowing this whole thing, work thing, you know, marriage thing, like blowing it up and leaving just to avoid feeling this way. But you know better, like your wise person in your head is like, no, you know, that's not a solution. Right. The solution is to just, you know, sit with it and see what else comes up. You know, and little by little, it's literally like an everyday exercise. Yeah. You know, you force yourself to wake up with anxiety and fear and all that good stuff. Uh, get up, you know, I go to the gym, that helps me. Go put the nice workout in and then figure out how to nourish yourself through the day. You know, when maybe Tion's not available and that's my normal source of nourishment. Right. And that's the whole, like, the slow process of understanding of, oh, the things that I'm feeling are due to some fundamental issues that I had created in myself and those are the ones that I have to undo now and put work in, it's not necessarily that Tion created it for me. Our relationship created it. It's like, no, that's what I brought into it, and that's what's getting triggered right now. That's what I brought into, you know, my work relationship, and I'm getting triggered by whatever it is that's happening there, so I have to 
go to that route and figure it out. And then whatever fear and anxiety I feel in my, you know, in our personal relationship is also something that I created and brought in with me. And now it's just manifesting because it was time to manifest it. Right. You know, and literally um, the, it got manifested when Tian was like, yeah, we need more space. Right. And although logically, uh, logically and spiritually, I understand, but my fear kicked in and it was like, Whoa, I don't know what that means, but I really don't like it. Right. And it's a very like it's a it's a very strong feeling and I can see how uh you know, in a closed monogamous relationship, the minute that you start feeling that feeling, you're like, "Oh no, let me go grab onto my partner and never feel that again." Right. Cuz it's powerful. Yeah. And um yeah, so the whole you know, kind of update on where we are, what she's talking about is, you know, we went through a lot of stuff inside our relationship between me and Eula and what what we've been dealing with, with the face plants and our stuff and how we navigate it. Um, And then a lot of just super deep stuff out with outer relationships in the, you know, fall, winter. So we really kind of cocooned um, once we sent, once we made it through those storms, we just cocooned. We just became, spent super much more time together, um, and just really used our internal house, our love, our family, our relationship, our buddyisms to really help heal us and replenish us and just really restabilize everything. Um, and it was great. We needed that. We're so blessed to have that. And now, you know, I started feeling that. You know, we can't get too comfortable in that state. That's a state that we use to go and replenish. But part of the breath, part of the purpose is to replenish so we can continue to go out and grow and connect with our community, connect with ourselves through nature, through other places and other people and other things. Um, Go out to receive our direct message that comes through our own set of students, teachers, and kindred spirits that only are there for specifically for us and our connection to understand then to bring to the um, to our, our us cipher, our unit cipher. And so it's this expansion, this movement of our dynamic. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's shifts and transitions just like spring and fall. And it creates a lot of different feelings um, that we have to deal with along the way. And that's what she's talking about. That's where it came from as far as on my end, um, our desire. It's not solely rooted my desire to see other people or see more people or any of that it's just um we all benefit from having both our us space and in particular that our us space is nurtured by our individual space and path and what we then derive from that and bring into our us yeah and then you know going through this process of learning how to sit with myself and feel the anxiety and feel the fear uh, gave me a very clear picture of what happens uh, when or basically what's happened in our relationship and what what's happened with uh, my part of the relationship and why I have been having such a hard time 
finding a open, empowered space to connect with other people in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got, like, I, I don't know how long it took me, a few weeks of just feeling my way through that uh, crazy, um, crazy space that I came to a very clear understanding that, you know, we, uh, when we come together as a couple and we expect to have other connections or close connections with other people, there needs to be a space in the relationship to keep those connections in. They don't go. If we want to have, you know, friends that are our friends, they go into our relationship space. Right. But if we want to have friends that are just my friends or just Tion's friends, they go into individual space. Right. And when you don't have the individual space, there's no place to keep those th- th- those relationships safely, whether it's sexual or non-sexual. You know, it's more complicated when it's sexual. Right. So I re- like I had this vision that what I really was trying to do without having my own space outside of our relationship because I never bothered to proactively create that space. I was trying to go out into the world, find relationships that, you know, would be um, interesting and nourishing to me and bring them back and put them on top of my relationship with Tion, which in itself is highly uncomfortable, very uh, sensitive, and causes a lot of emotional uh, whiplash inside of me. Right. So because what, elaborate on what you mean on top of. So that was. You know, well, when there is no, you know, the way that I see it is what, you know, like the the three space diagram that you know we basically have is when you have two circles and you connect them and inner. What do you, like the part that overlaps the part that overlaps is our space right is where that's the couple space the parts that are left open outside is you know his space on one side and my space on the other so if i you know the relationships that we have that are outside of our intimate relationship should go into the open spaces that we left for each other right when I don't have it because I never cared to proactively create it, acknowledge that I need it, and cultivate it. When I go out and I decide that, all right, it's time for me to go and create a relationship with somebody else, when I bring it back, there is really no space for it to, to, to go. The right. only place it can go into is mine and Tion's space, and that feels uncomfortable. Right. So, you know, for the longest time, I was like, why in the hell does it feel so uncomfortable? Like, why do I, on one hand, want it? On the other hand, I feel like I don't necessarily want it, but I want something. And it creates these unnatural, uh, jerky reactions that I have that send mixed signals to Tion. And then he gets whiplashed, and then, you know, we go through a face plant and a difficult situation, and right. we trigger. Uh, you know, so I had a very clear picture emerge, compliments of the 
pretty significant amount of fear and anxiety that I went through, but I allowed myself to sit through, that was like, dude, you have nowhere to put these relationships into. Right. Like you do not have your own space where you feel empowered, entitled to having whatever relationships you want to have. There is space created for it. You're used to being out of the house by yourself once or twice a week or however long, you know, you have that independence. You feel uh, free to say, hey, I'll be out this weekend right. or whatever that is. I just don't even have those habits. Right. So when that becomes attached to a solely sexual relationship with a man, that becomes inc in incredibly difficult to communicate. Right. So, you know, what I have understood is that for me to actually go through, uh, for me to actually be, feel steady, empowered, and uh, not knee-jerk or whiplash right. when I do want to create a relationship outside of our marriage with another man, I have to uh, have that place already created. Right. So the work is in not going and sifting for men and creating the, you know, like right. finding ones you can connect with. Because the worst that can happen is, you know, I'll meet someone that's really super cool, which has happened before. Right. And then I fuck it up because I didn't have the space. Right. And then by the time that it's like, it's, it's a... You know, we're ready to go to the next step in our connection. I freak out because I, can, I feel like, wow, that's definitely going to mess my relationship up with Tion. And it's not because of how Tion will react, but because I, I, I don't have the space. Right. So that was my big, 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 uh, you know, understanding. And um, I'm really grateful that I have made myself sit through that, all that, you know, muck, 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 and heavy, hard feelings, and didn't run, didn't uh, decide to just go back and be like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to stay in this cocoon. Right. Uh, but come out with this vision. Right. So how do you put that, what's your, what's your concepts as of today, um, as how you're going to put that in action? Like, what is the next step for you? So I started to really, uh, you know, figure out, like, in the evening I'd, or, you know, in bed, I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to do tomorrow? How do I want to feel? Right. Uh, and then sometimes it feels, and allowing myself to, to do that without it being attached to what you're doing. Right. You know, the biggest exercise is in, no, you get to feel for yourself and decide what it is that you want to do. And assume that Tion's not there to do it with you. Right. What do you want to do? Uh, you know, and then just start doing it. So, you know, it's, it's what, my week one, like, you know, right, it's like right. last week was more about, all right, who do I want to spend time with? In right. Whether, you know, talking on the phone or in person, you know, actually get, uh, you know, out of the house and uh, enjoy being where you are without thinking and, you know, analyzing 
Uh, what is Tion doing? You know, oh, it would have felt so much better if Tion was here. You know, those are all the habits that we create. Right. And understanding that, you know, hey, I actually like missing him. Like, I like the feeling of like, oh, I can't wait when we, when we get to spend a chunk of time together. Right. And then when the chunk of time comes and we are spending it together like this weekend, I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Let me not forget and not go back to let me start like controlling the situation to where this two or three day chunk turns into the whole week. Right. Like, let me actually be very clear that, hey, this is something that gets created when there is dissonance. Right. When, you know, assume that. I will be either, you know, at home uh, hanging with kids and doing something proactively with them or connecting with, you know, my friends or doing my own thing, going on a walk, going to the movies, you know, sleeping in the park, whatever, taking my naps, uh, but proactively creating my own space. And then we will plan on when we both want to spend time together. Right. And it seems still kind of feels like awkward and uncomfortable a little right. bit but it's better like it's like everything else you do repetitiously right that's difficult and you know it becomes better right like, it's just stretching the muscles that you know you know the analogy that i use for this um is like you know you pick a favorite food or a favorite song or if our artist or favorite artist you listen to and if you listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, for a long period of time, you'll love it. But then there will be a period of time when, like, you won't like it as much because it's the routine. It's the norm. And part of what, benef- what helps that is discovering another artist and then coming back to that. And then mixing, how do I balance this out now? Like, I love Sade, and then I discovered, you know, John 9. Like, oh, my God. And, like, for a while, you just listen to, like, obsess over John 9 and Protégé or whatever. Then you're like, ooh damn, let me listen to Sade again. It's like, oh, now I have all of this. And listening to Protégé helped me really appreciate my love of Sade and why I like her, because of the different textures. You know, I love my home. And part of what makes me love my home even more is traveling and enjoying other places and looking like, damn, I can't wait to get home. You know, but if we're home all the time, it's as much as we can appreciate it, there's still a different perspective that we're not giving it. There's no, there's not a layer of breath that we can give it, um, especially if we feel it. That's the thing. It's not to force anything. Like we don't force us to take different space. If we don't feel it, like we don't need it. If I okay. feel like I need to be out, I should go out. If she feels like she needs to go out, she should go out, and there shouldn't be met, it shouldn't be met with resistance. Um, if anything, met with conversation, so that way we both can explain to each other what we're doing so that way we stay connected through our internal journeys like what we're mentally and emotionally going through and through our our physical manifestations of our journeys like i just feel like at this time i need a different stimuli i need to just see different things and be in different places by myself and see what that's like so i can gather more and from that i grow and from my growth i have more and from my more i bring back and we have more to share more to learn and all of that you know hits right into the uh, fear of breaking down what we grew up with supposed to be how how you know family and uh, how family is supposed to work what uh, commitment looks like mm-hmm. you know and then what love feels like uh, or should look like 
And right. you know that once you start changing, like and stretching the familiar structure, right. then you're really experiencing the fears of I don't know what's gonna happen. Right. Whoa, does that mean that he doesn't love me as much? Does right. that mean that there is less, uh, you know, uh, interest in spending our time together? Like, I don't know what that means. And then um, I do not personally know how to deal with that feeling without trust and faith. Right. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. like someone asked me the other day, is like, why do you, why do you keep emphasizing trust, faith, and patience? Right. And... I, you know, that one I know really well. I have to trust what I feel. Uh, that that my feeling is like my my in, my super deep, not the feeling of fear. Your intuitive feeling, my not intuitive your emotional feeling, is, you know, is, is actually the one that I need to follow. I have to have faith that if I follow that, things will work out how they're supposed to even if the end result is something that scares the hell out of me right, right now. And then I have to have patience to allow myself to sift through all the other loud voices and feelings like fear and anxiety and allow them to run their course so that I can start hearing other uh, voices and other emotions and allow them to come in. So, right. you know, when you start stretching the structure that is your comfort zone, you cannot do that without having trust, faith, and fe and, and patience. Right. And my my selfish internal desire to create these different spaces and expanding our comfort zone is like this. Like, and this goes back to with me and my mom. I've learned this lesson and over and you know it's been reiterated really clearly. Um, I want to be able to expand the depth and width of my connection with you, the same way I did with my mom. And the way I was able to do that was create enough diverse space, travel, distance, time, whatever, to where I'm, I feel connected and comfortable, even if we're not talking, even if I can't see you. For me, that ensures that I'm always gonna be connected. Right. And that is the, what I speak upon and, 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 and I'm studying and working hard to develop and get better at is that staying committed to the message. Give thanks to the messenger, which means give thanks for the way this package of love and, and empowerment came, right? Like the shape of the person, the sound of the person, how they looked, how you guys connected, all of that. That's the messenger. Give thanks for that. That helps us remember, those are our memories. But stay committed and connected to the message. The message was love, empowerment, joy, determination, whatever those are, those are root messages that come through people, places, and things. So if I want my relationship with Eula to be omnipotent, to be transcendent of physical space and time, I need to make sure that we are working on strengthening our depth and our heights that transcend the time when we are face to face and we can touch each other. So if there's a time when we are gone away from each other in physical form, we stay connected. We have muscles that are trained to flex when we're not there. It's okay. not a foreign thing. 
So for me, that's one of the reasons I really work hard on that and make sure that we stay in practice of, of exploring individual, exploring together, exploring individual, exploring together. So that way we have a diverse range of comfort zones. Um, and that's my Virgo, the way I keep my Virgo worry person sane is just expanding my range of comfort zones to where it's not just one. You know, I have a comfort zone when we're together. And then I also have a comfort zone when we're not. Like I know how to connect with you when I'm not with you. Um, and I work on that to get it stronger. And that's my reason of that. And that's what I learned and relearned through my connection with my mom. Because now my mom is, my mom in messenger form is not here anymore. Like I will not see my mom in physical form unless I'm hallucinating. I will not see her. I will not hear her voice the same way. I will not see her dreadlocks. I will not see her pigeon toes in physical form. But I'm very connected to my mom because the message is still with me. And I worked to be able to see and feel and hear my mom, even if I physically can't. And so that's... Yeah, and that's, that's the stretching. Yeah. And that's, you know, what is, when you start out, is highly uncomfortable. And most of us will always avoid doing. Mm -hmm. Unless we have to. Um, so that's, you know, that's the exercise. That's a big one for me. Mm -hmm. Where... It's not like, you know, Tion says it's not about sex. It's about creating your own space within the partnership that you have uh, where you can feel completely comfortable to do what you want to do. Right. And then you don't feel guilty. You don't feel like you're imposing, that you're taking away from the us space. Um, you know, I've had this fear of, well, what if I connect with someone and that's going to start feeling like I'm taking away from us and then that messes us up. Right. And that's because, yeah, if I, if all of my time, space and energy is in us, of course, when I connect with someone outside of us and I start giving them even a little bit of time, space and energy, it's going to feel like I'm taking away from us. Right. But if all I'm doing is giving them time, space, and energy that I already have available in my own space, then it shouldn't feel like I'm taking away from us. Right. And I'm just allocating the, my resource that I have for myself. Right. And the root is if whatever adventures we go on, we gather experience, love, wealth, of knowledge, wealth, of financial or spiritual currency, it's only taking away if we gather it and never bring it back, right? Because then we're investing in something and we're keeping the profit and we're not we're not distributing the wealth. So, whatever adventures or excursions our path and our desires take us on, we can always make sure our balance is right by making sure that in our heart we want to give back. We yeah. want to like I go on tour you know, and gather lots of insights, lots of stories, lots of experiences, lots of joy, lots of things. And one of my core things is to bring it back. You know, so if we're both going out and bringing it back, it's no different than people going to work in their career and they have to take time and space away and energy away from their home. But what they're gathering, what they're generating is an, 
an, a necessary nutrient for their home to thrive. Right. You know, unfortunately, people just see it that way in monetary currency. Like monetary currency is always a good justification for someone to leave the family, even if right. they're gone for years on end at a time. Like yeah. gone for six months, home for two weeks, gone for six months, home for two weeks. That's totally fine if it's for for money. Right. But for spiritual or emotional or mental currency or growth, we have issue with that. And that's yeah, because, because we've been of, trained to right, be in the material how would world. We value, right. It's just like, you know, uh, I make more money, you create more other energy. Mm-hmm. To me, it feels more than fair. To most people, it'd be like, how does it fair? Right. Why do you have to support everyone? Why do and like I don't feel that I'm supporting. Right. I feel blessed that I actually have a partner that can push and pull and you know and and force me through these like you know these uh, portals that I would never force myself go through. Right. And you know to me that's way more valuable than my ability to go and make money. Right. And it's this, this the dynamic of the team. Um, and so a funny, a funny thought is like, you know, if a husband or wife needs to go away on business, it's never questioned. Right. Like that's your, oh yeah, for sure. You have to go. I mean, I know, I know you just went two weeks ago, but now right. you have to go again. Okay, cool. But if the person's like, I need to just go away for a week for what? Well, I, I have some spiritual business. I need to go just kind of be in a space and gather and, and, right. and generate. What? Hell no. Like, What's the nefarious reason you need to get away? Right. Like, it's not valued. It's, it's, you know, think about that in your lives. You know, we think about it in our lives and think about that because we all have these judgments of hierarchy of what's more important. And I bet a lot of us still do have the value of material currency is, is trumps every other currency. And we have to ask ourselves, why is that? Who does that narrative benefit? Where does that come from? Does that benefit us? And in reality, it doesn't benefit us unless you're just completely... Um, committed to material overall, you know, um, but it's fascinating because me and Eula, we, we fight to overcome and, 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 and learn these things, but we still are stretching that muscle too of like, how much time can we spend away? How, you know, can I say, I just want to go away and go away for a few days and have it not be an issue. Can I deal with her saying I need to go away and not be for business and to be okay? And I work because I'm just nerdy just to prepare myself for the time when she says, you know, I want to go away, whether it's, and it can be by herself, I just need to go away. Or, you know, I have a friend who's here from overseas, he's in LA for a week, I want to go hang out with him for a few days. And, and have, and work through all the feelings now, and have those conversations now on myself of what would my resistance be, what would my triggers be to make sure that I don't allow them to get in the way of her freedom to go on her business trip, so to speak, or spiritual or emotional right. or, uh, you know, sensual business trip, whatever. It's, whatever it is that is nourishment that is needed for her to generate the currency to bring back to our home, you know? Yeah, and part of the difficulty uh, of creating, you know, in this situation, my own space is to be, uh, to learn to allow myself that, yeah, whenever you feel like, because we all have these times where I'm like, I just want to get away for a few days. Mm-hmm. To feel like, yeah, well, then you should. Right. Versus, oh, you know, it'll pass. Pack it in. Right. You know, it'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, those are, there's a lot of uh, exercising and a lot of 
pushing uh, and keeping myself accountable to myself as to what my goal is. You know, is my goal to stay in a comfort zone uh, or is my goal to actually be, you know, uh, honest with myself and learn what is it that I want to do? Right. Um, And then just do it. And then have faith that things will work out exactly how they should. And, you know, I don't know if you know, the outcome is going to be something that I would welcome right now. But, you know, part of what I'm understanding is that I don't know what I'm going to look for as a security blanket five years from now. You know, that's going to change as well. So, you know, the only way to not worry about it is to do whatever, you know, feels right right now. And then have trust and faith that as long as I'm being uh, honest with myself and I understand my motivation, then it's going to work out how it is supposed to work out. Right. And in relation and in ourselves, do we allow ourselves and work on encouraging ourselves, encouraging in ourselves the ability to A, articulate that we do want to go or be away or do whatever, be encourage ourselves and say that's totally okay. And what was I on? C, A, B, C. I don't know. And the next one. <laughs> and yeah. Z is can we articulate that to our partner? And then Z plus is in our relationship have we trained each other to hold the space to where that would be welcomed and open for support and discussion and not shut down. And that's serious kingdom. And I think that, you know, like that's a super high standard to hold ourselves to or anybody else to. I think that that's right. But that, the you know, the grimy reality is that, uh, you know, I may have a sensitive reaction. Right. You may have and very well will have a sensitive reaction. Yeah. You know, and the real deal is to allow for the space, like allow space for that to be felt. Yeah. And then trust that that is just one reaction. That's right. the first one that usually comes from our ego. Uh, but then allow and like just, I mean, all I need is hold my hand and, 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 you know, understand that, yeah, that's a valid feeling, but that's not the only feeling that I'm going to have. Right. Because when we start reacting to the first reaction, that's when everything gets shut down. Right. And because that's, yeah. the other parts don't even have time and space to come in. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, when we talk about having the space to go off free or having the space to explore life or whatever the case may be, we're not saying that it's just a thought process and it's as easy as thinking it. When we say this, we're anticipating, expecting that we will have all these emotions, that we will have fear, that we will have concerns, that we will have jealousy, that it may trigger us, all these things, and they're all welcome and to be a part of the overall discussion, but they cannot end the discussion. They cannot derail or dictate the discussion. Like I was having a conversation with my homegirl yesterday, and she was like, you know, like we've, I've been talking about, you know, opening just the concept of, of having relationships that are open as opposed to just, you know, locked down. And she's like, but I, I think I'm just too jealous. How do you deal with jealousy? And I'm like, well, 
a lot of us think that jealousy is the end. Like we don't, once we feel that we stop whatever it is we're doing that makes us feel that way where us, we've trained ourselves to think that's the beginning. That's where it's like, Oh, what is this? It's something to explore. Jealousy is one of the many rich emotions in our emotional color wheel. The same way as an artist, we embrace all colors of the color wheel. They all have a purpose. Right, but we're taught that all these, like the jealousy and fear and anxiety are negative emotions, and we have to avoid them as, as much as possible. And whenever we feel them, we have to fix the circumstance so that we no longer feel them. Right. And that's why people, you know, will kill and, you know, whatever, impose physical will to stop themselves from feeling it. You know, no, you can't do that. I'm going to physically hold you here so that I avoid feeling this feeling right. versus just let it through. Just like feel through it. You know, that yeah. we've talked about it in, you know, so many podcasts back. That was like a building block for me is, you know, feel the feelings. I was talking to uh, my girlfriend that actually <laughs> introduced me to uh, doing the daily gratefuls practice. And, you know, at the height of me being scared and anxious, I was talking to her and she's like, dude, just feel them. You're, you're just feeling. You don't have to, like, you know, you, you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to fix things. Right. Like, you like fixing things. You don't have to fix your feelings. Just sit with them. Just right. feel them. Those are feelings. You're human. Right. Just like we tell Deja when she is emotionally uh, charged and doesn't know what to do. We're like, just feel them. You're human. That's why you're feeling the feelings. Right. You know, but I think that, you know, where I'm coming from, uh, and that's probably where a lot of people are, just the experience of actually feeling and allowing yourself to feel is overwhelming. Right. You don't know what to do with it. You know, I'm trained to take action. Right. And figure things out. And that's my ego. So my ego will always want to control the situation, manipulate to make sure that I protect myself by not experiencing that same feeling. Right. Which are all the things I have done and I'm not proud of. But, you know, I, you got to get to that place where you're like, all right, I am not going to be protecting myself from these feelings. They're not going to kill me. Right. They're not going to kill me. And guess what? Tomorrow is a new day. And I may feel better. I may feel worse. But it's a whole new day to live. Right. And it's different colors and shades. And um, yeah, you know, um, like in skateboarding, falling is is a part, of, as much of part of skateboarding, if not more, than landing your trick. So when you decide to skateboard, you expect to fall. It's just a part of it. You know, you don't fall once and be like, dude, I just, how do I do this without falling? Like, it's not possible. Like, growth, it's it's hard to grow without feeling pain. It's hard to grow without experiencing hard shit. Right, that's why, <laughs> like, there are some people that consciously choose not to grow. Yeah, you know, and there's a, and it, once we'll, we'll, we'll tie it in and I'll wrap it up with this, it's the same thing. With what we're talking about, we're talking about um, going from like, you know, pickup game basketball level relationship relating with ourselves and others to like championship, all-star, Hall of Fame level 
relating with ourselves and relationships with others. It's a different level of work. It's a different level of training. It's a different level of pain. It's a different level of struggle. It's a different level of accountability. It's a different level of bone-breaking evolution, but it's also a different level of freedom, a different level of triumph, a different level of exploration and discovery, a different level of wealth, mental, spiritual, financial. It's a different level of ascension. But you can't get all of those accolades and trophies and in rare form, physically, mentally, and spiritually, if you're not willing to do the level of work that it requires. Yep. And so that's what it is. That's what we do. This is episode 40. Thank you guys for rocking with us. Um, make sure you go and like and comment on our podcast on Apple Pod, Apple Music, or Podomatic, or wherever you listen. Comment, like. I guess it will help us uh, move up in the ratings, and maybe we'll get sponsorship, and maybe we can tour for this. Um, and we'd love to do that at some point. So your support is good. Also, what we ask is if you like the podcast, share it with somebody. Share it with a friend. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, a great resource. We face plant and go through all this shit and share it with you guys. So you hopefully don't have to go through as much blindly <laughs> as we do. Right. And you can always <laughs> contact us on email or Instagram. Yes, at you know, the Black Russian Podcast. Yeah, at the Black Russian Podcast on Instagram and Black Russian Podcast at gmail.com. We always encourage and appreciate the feedback because we, um, our podcast consists of what we've experienced, what we've shared with our friends, our community, what we've learned, what we've struggled with. But if you guys have specific things that are on your mind, we'd love to talk specifically right. to that as well. Right. So let's do that. Thank you guys. We've made it through this episode 40. We're making it through this era of life and transformation. Um, life is good and getting better, even when it feels heavier and harder. Mm-hmm. I am grateful for the perspective that I've worked really hard and continue to work on that allows me to navigate all these feelings, feeling of aloofness, feeling of distant, feeling of... Uh, just psychedelic trip during my mom's transition and just the hardship that we're going through. Um, I'm grateful for, oh, the kids running up yeah. around upstairs and Yay. <laughs> happily jumping. Ooh. I'm grateful for just being my age and having learned to sit my ass down and feel and not rush and just trust and faith and trust and faith and trust and faith and... Uh, you know, working out my muscles so that it reminds me that if I can do what I can do in physical form and push myself through physical uh, pain and uh, (laughs) persistent sweating, I can do the same with my, you know, emotional and spiritual growth and uh, just, you know, daily trust and faith and sitting with it and pushing through is going to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I'm grateful that my mom raised me as a single mom and was an amazing alpha mom that would both give me structure, guidance, but also room to be emotional um, and not have to undo a lot of toxic masculinity or patriarchy within myself. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yep, um, I'm just grateful it's summertime, 
and we and the kids are all going to be here for a while and that we have mm-hmm. our relationships with the kids the way that we have them yes. to where we can hear their truth and they actually want us to hear it right and it's fun yeah and i'm grateful for just being a squishy dude like allowing myself to be a squishy dude irregardless of the perception of what a strong person is supposed to be you know all of that is super important to me and i'm grateful that i have the ability um and the courage and the comfort to be as squishy and and vulnerable as i want to be and still feel like i'm a lion Mm -hmm. so that's what it is this is coming out Soon, nice. next forty-eight hours, you guys Finally. will be hot off the press and enjoy it. Soak it up. There's always going to be more. Please comment, like, email us, follow us, share this. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your lives. Be honest. Be kind. Be true to yourselves and others. And yeah, Three and l- eat well. Eat well. Eat- Nourish yourself. Yes. Eat well. Eat good food. Eat good emotional shit. Eat good thoughts. Eat yeah. good vibes. The Black Richard Podcast, episode 40. Blah! See ya. A lion is a lion anywhere he go. It's the nature of man. It's the earth man. Rasta man. I Celestia yeah, the first. What is a Rasta man? The man we set the plan. The man we touch the streets. Love and bless up everyone. King of him go on the land. Must the conquering lion. Selassie walk first. And him no follow after man. Not just the way of the Rasta step. To own the thing connect. The girls them sign the Rasta. Instantly get your sweat. And now me hear some boy of red. Like fryers in a net. The Rasta intellect. It gone past the internet. The Rasta man no skip a beat. The Rasta man. Unique, we now go take defeat. The mission of we complete. I show the humble and the meek. The victory, I go sweet. The Rasta man, I step it up and yard in the east. I watch the wicked man, I burn. And there's no place to run. The Rasta beat the get a drum until we finger no. Me say my lyrics is my gun. No boy can't tell me none. Me live wicked, I want to Rasta dance and son. So me say again, a lion is a lion anywhere he go. Lion is a liar anywhere he go. Rasta man a rasta anywhere we go. Rasta man a rasta man anywhere we go. Mister, a lion is a liar anywhere he go. Lion is a liar anywhere he go. Warrior a warrior anywhere we go. Warrior a warrior any. What is an empress? She rise above the rest. She keep herself clean and in the house and not no less. She bring me joy and happiness, charisma and finesse. Do yet she clothe her skin not just a king will see her flesh. Empress no beg no friend, real empress no bend. And in her mansion it no carry many men. Tell you 24/7, routine repeat again. The lioness no fall and back of fashion and trend. Some little girls we know them place and get this. In a your ears, me tell you, not everything you see, you have to embrace. Empress, no watch, no face, and keep the fire blaze. Remember King Selassie, I the ancient of days, and them fi know I saw you grow. You never stood below. No boy out a road, no have your name like Papi
show. Real Empress carry a glow. I just the way you flow. You're pretty like the colors in a janjari and boom. Me love the Empress to the max. Me Empress very hot. But true, me say Empress that no mean she carry lots. Preferably, but probably not. I got to tell you what. Anytime you're this, my Empress, then you all forget about. So me tell you, say, a lion is a lion anywhere he go. Lion is a lion anywhere he go. Rasta is a Rasta anywhere we go. Rasta is a Rasta anywhere we go. Me say a lion is a lion anywhere we go. Lion is a lion anywhere we go. Warrior is a warrior anywhere we go. Warrior is a warrior anywhere we go. Boy, the last man. 